Hey, Pastor Susan. Hi, Pastor Joel, and welcome to all our Sunnyside and friends listening out in our podcast world. Here we are talking about the New Testament as part of our New Testament reading plan. Yeah, today we're going to be getting into some action chapters in Matthew with Matthew 15 through 21. Um, fitting for the time that we're in. You know, we're recording this during the season of Lent. It'll come out during mm-hmm. the season of Lent. Um, and it's getting up to the triumphal entry. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to be right kind of in the middle of it right now. I thought if we, if, if, if our listeners and Pastor Joel, if you'll allow me a little bit um, of a deviation before we jump into the text, I wanted to share a minute about something I was listening to in a podcast I thought was interesting. Um, and I'll, the kind of precursor, one of the things I find really compelling about faith and the development of faith are like the little steps of, of faith that we take that bring us along the long haul. Mm. So in kind of Christian words, I m- might say like the spiritual practices that we develop. And sometimes I find some really interesting kind of overlapping between the spiritual practices and some of the way um, secular psychologists might talk about um, developing habits, mm. right? And um, so I was listening this morning to a podcast by Adam Grant, who's um, an organizational psychologist I really like, and he interviewed Robin Arzone, uh, I hope I'm saying her name right, who's um, the head instructor at Peloton, and part of what their conversation was about was this idea of motivation, which is interesting is I think she's really developed a kind of cult-like following mm. in her in her work with Peloton. And, you know, she doesn't say it's about being motivated, mm-hmm. about being excited to wake up and right. hit the road, whether you're running or biking or whatever you're doing, but it's about the consistent little steps that really cultivate momentum. Mm. And I don't know, Pastoral, about what you think, but I, I mean, I find it's like the longer I practice faith, the more it's both challenging and also mm. kind of a relief right. to like that faith is in our little steps and yeah. keeping the momentum up. It's one of the reasons I'm so grateful you developed this mm. idea of the New Testament reading plan, because it just sort of helps us all remember to take those little steps, little mm. bites, right? Uh, and um, you know, taking those little bites of of Bible each day to help really immerse us in the long story. Mm. So anyway, that's a long way to say. I recommend if anybody's interested, we can attach to the podcast link later, like um, the link to this podcast if our listeners might like to give it a give it a give it a listen. I, I gave a sermon once about the grand gesture versus mm. the small everyday things. And and y- you mentioned, I think, a, a few weeks ago in, in your sermon, the, the question, what are we getting into when we're followers of Jesus, comparing it to what are we getting into in a marriage? Mm. And and me, being willing to make the same choice now that we know a little more what we're getting into, but we had no idea what we were getting right. into. I think I'm, I'll speak for, for myself as well. I had yeah, no idea that, what I was yeah, getting into when, I was, saying, when right? I was jumping into marriage. And it's a bunch of small steps, mm. even when you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And what I love mm-hmm. about the discipline of this is that mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with motivation. You can wake up and not feel close to God at all mm. and then read the text. And maybe you don't feel any closer, but you've kept that momentum. Mm-hmm. And that momentum, you know, little, even little steps of momentum that, again, mm-hmm. 
maybe you don't feel good as you're doing it each day, but maybe feel a little better when you're done, you know, and that momentum adds up over time to really help us um, develop traction, I think, and really deep levels of formation in our life. I think um, I'll, I'll link the Rethinking podcast in the show notes. And I'll also, you. If you, with your permission, I'd like to link your sermon uh, along with the sermon that I mentioned. Sure, yeah. Um, having given. And um, yeah, love, love to hear how folks continue reading scripture even outside of this plan because we're in the back half. We're, yeah. we're in the, oh the, the, the back nine holes, oh, as it were. goes so fast, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we're almost done with the third of four mm. Gospels. And mm. the Gospels are spaced out intentionally in this plan. We'll get to John at the very end. But we're, you know, three-quarters of the way through after today mm. of, of the Gospel of Matthew. Mm. That's a good reminder, yeah. And, you know, with the idea of momentum, just a good, you know, if you're picking up and we can just jump in at, at any point, right? right? It's about the little steps and right. no no reason to look back. Let's just look forward and keep going. So None let's jump into Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 15 through 21 this week. Yeah, so Matthew 15 is sort of it, it, like... We've, I've mentioned these discourses that structure Matthew's um, uh, narrative. We've got Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, Matthew 5 to 7. There's a, a, a discourse on parables in Matthew 10. And then there's one on like the mission of the 12, I believe. That's in Matthew 13, mm-hmm. which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, last week. Uh, and then we've got several chapters between 13 and 18, which is the next discourse on community, on the mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. before getting to 23 to 25, which is all on the end times. And so we've got a bunch of action that mm-hmm. we just step right in the middle mm-hmm. in here between Jesus like long sermons. Yeah, it was fun. I thought it was like, I enjoyed that part of, of our readings this week to um, just get into the, you know, Really, the kind of the rubber hits the road here with Jesus, and to get into um, the the act, fast-paced action of his mm-hmm. of his roles. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's got some some fast-paced uh, interchanges with the Pharisees throughout mm-hmm. our, our our texts. Um, this week, and and that's kind of how we start in chapter fifteen. We've got we've got another interaction with the Pharisees later in nineteen, um, but uh, yeah, he he kind of is a little grumpy with them. Yep, I think he's, you know, I, Matthew, I think, is really all throughout the book. And, you know, here's another way kind of emphasizing how um, Jesus is like such a, a powerful teacher, right? And so he isn't afraid to show his clash with the scribes and Pharisees and to show the distinction of the way that, that Jesus is teaching to give him that authority and to show how he's really fulfilling the, the prophecy. It's um, it's interesting to look at how history has taken this conflict between like Jesus is an excellent teacher, and in so many of his good points are made in contrast mm. to those of the Pharisees. Who, I mean, Jesus probably had more in common with the Pharisees than other like. Uh, portions of Judaism, whether it be Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, whether it be Zealots who wanted to just overthrow Rome, or the Essenes who were like, we just want to be left alone out here in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably had quite a bit in common with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's a couple truths here. One is that like history has interpreted Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees sometimes as anti-Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matthew, unfortunately, you know, as the gospel that was written to the Jews, I think, can be taken as anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish in ways that are... 
history is not looked kindly upon, mm -hmm. but I think it's important to remember that Matthew being written to the Jews is sort of an internal dialogue where, you know, you and I are, we're, we're not Jewish, but we are part of Sunnyside. And so we can point to both what Sunnyside does really well and also what Sunnyside can like learn to do better. Mm -hmm. And we can be a little more critical as insiders mm -hmm. than maybe we mm -hmm. would allow outsiders to mm -hmm. be. It's like a big brother or big mm -hmm. sister, right? Yeah. And I think he's really writing to them, you know, saying, these are ways that our current teachers were off the mark, but right. we are still in the same house, right? That's right. Uh, and so trying to bring reformation, really, uh -huh. right? And to show how the authority, the power of Jesus' teaching and life fulfilled this prophecy in ways that um, the Pharisees, you know, they didn't, weren't intended to do so. And I think, which which brings us back to the point that you were just making, is that like Jesus is an excellent teacher, mm -hmm. and Jesus is going to be teaching in the context that he that he knows and that he's got contacts mm -hmm. in. And I think that's with with the Pharisees. And so when Jesus is correcting the Pharisees, it's not because it's only the Pharisees that need correction, mm -hmm. but because of something well later that's a good point. in. Yep. in uh, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. something later in in chapter fifteen, where. Um, you know, he, he says that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, verse 24 of 15. And that, that's sort of his primary mission field. And of course, he's the savior of the Gentiles as well, mm -hmm. right? But, but mm -hmm. it, starting here, and so mm -hmm. going to be calling them to account first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. that's an important point to, to see that kind of the um, tone and the order of speaking and, and to be able to have that context really, really matters. So yeah, we see here, you know, some some of these texts that are maybe familiar, right? Um, as Jesus is healing and curing, and feeding, right? The feeding of the of the four thousand, mm -hmm. I imagine, is one of the more familiar teachings in, of Jesus, the loaves and fishes, mm -hmm. which I mean, it's never I feel like short on inspiration, right? <laughs> so there's a good reason for that. Yeah, these are like, you know, I don't know if this happens with your family, but when I get together with my family, we, we find ourselves falling back into telling the same stories mm -hmm. and remembering, you know, the critical moments. And, and mm -hmm. some of them are really beautiful and others of them are just very silly. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if these were the stories mm -hmm. that when the disciples would get together, they would say, do you remember, remember that when? time? Oh, yeah, that's cool. We right? thought we were going to starve. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that Jesus guy... Um, and and I, I think that's, I mean, the, the feeding of the 5,000 is in all the Gospels, and, and uh, I, at least two of them have the additional feeding of the 4,000. Mm. And that must have just been so impactful, mm. or, or maybe funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it also kind of shows that, you know, the the warmth of mm. Jesus, right, when, where it shows a little bit of the harshness and the clash with the, um, with the teacher's um, in the temple and in town, then here's this time where he really has compassion mm -hmm. for the crowds mm -hmm. and cares for them so much that he feeds them. That's right. That's right, yeah. We, um, I know that we've dealt with the, the question of Caesarea Philippi, I believe, in a previous conversation, maybe it was in Mark, where that's where 
Peter has the confession of faith, and then right after that, there's the get behind me Satan moment, mm-hmm. which is just, isn't that true? You know, so mm-hmm. frequently in our lives, with mm-hmm. highest highs mm-hmm. and the lowest lows are right next mm-hmm. to each other. Um, Another good example of Jesus, like, not holding back punches and dealing with his own people, right? That's right. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah. And that's that's in, in chapter 16, and then um, not not wanting to rush, slow me down, but 17 is, is the transfiguration, mm. uh, which I, I know that we've also uh, sort of taken on a little bit, um, and some of this we've we've taken on in, in our worship together. I know Transfiguration Sunday was just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Transfiguration Sunday liturgically is always the Sunday that precedes the beginning of Lent, mm-hmm. right, and helping us. Um, it sort of is the gateway that helps us remember how Christ's birth and life and eventual death and resurrection like fulfill all of the prophecy mm-hmm. of the Messiah in the Old Testament. With Moses and Elijah mm-hmm. popping up and bearing witness to Jesus as the fulfillment, just as you said, mm-hmm. of, of the Old Testament, representing the prophets and the, and the law in some mm-hmm. respects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think to be. I think the Transfiguration is actually one of my favorite texts um, in all of the Bible. It's probably. It's certainly in my top ten, maybe even in my top five. Oh wow! So I, because I just and actually, it's an interesting experience that um, I didn't know this text well or even know it liturgically well until coming to Sunnyside as a mm-hmm. pastor, and um, I happened to preach on it two years in a row. So I. But through different gospel texts, mm-hmm. and so I came through it at kind of from different lenses in that way, uh, and it was just I was so struck by this idea of Jesus taking, you know, his kind of close friends up on the side of the mountain uh, and being up among them, you know, having. I think others, other texts talk about the cloud that descends mm-hmm. and just the, the, the elements of both sparkle and confusion and the incredible awe that mm. must have, um, that they must have felt, you know, in seeing the dwellings for, um, for the former, former, uh, prophets and to see their, you know, to hear them and see them and to hear the Holy Spirit uh, and to see Jesus transfigured. I just can't, it just like really is astounding to me to think about the type of confusion and Mm. fulfillment and inspiration and what that experience must have been like for them. Mm. We did, um, at at a previous congregation, we did a youth Sunday that was focused on the transfiguration. Mm. It was, that's that's when it liturgically fell. Um, uh, I don't know that the youth initially thought it was cool because they were the ones who were offering like the mini sermons or the yeah. you know uh, homilies or whatnot. Um, but they came up with they they crushed it and they mm. came up with this the title of the service as "Shut Up and Listen," Whoa, which I think is, yeah. is like wonderfully. Uh, we 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 were talking the other day as to whether something was liturgically appropriate mm. or inappropriate. And I think it's the be- most beautiful liturgically mm. inappropriate type of title Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it translates exactly what God says Mm. into sort of colloquial speech this is my son the beloved with him I'm well pleased listen to him Mm -hmm. shut up and listen that's right yeah that's (laughs) very well said right Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, and that's uh, so frequently what what God invites us to do. Going back to to you know how you opened us with the idea of, of having these habits, God invites us whether we feel like it or not mm-hmm. to listen mm-hmm. um, and and be changed. Right? That's right. I think yeah. so much of this experience was about them shutting up, listening, mm-hmm. and seeing change. You know, the change of who they thought. The Messiah would be mm-hmm. from a political ruler to a, a humble servant like from you know I they there was so much of what I think they probably went up on that mountain expecting and then um so much changed for them when they came down and then mm-hmm. began to you know these last teachings and then heading heading to Calvary and when they came down, they, they, I think that they weren't able to heal. Um, mm. There was, there was a, these, the, the disciples couldn't heal this uh, demon-possessed mm. individual. And then Jesus is like, ah. Oh. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and again, like, I think it's, it's not a coincidence that right here in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, there is such like divine, um, divine highs with, you are the mm-hmm. Messiah. And then this is my son, the beloved, and him I'm well pleased, followed by, get thee behind me, mm-hmm. Satan, followed by, oh, I, I, I can't do it. Because mm-hmm. um, the disciples are like us in so many ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that, that brings us to Matthew 18, which, interestingly enough, uh, the Wednesday morning Bible study covered on Wednesday. Oh, cool. This last week. And we that was the reading that was on Wednesday. It was mm. very well designed. Um, so... Mm. Uh, kudos, Holy Spirit. To no kidding. I love up. that when that happens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Matthew, Matthew 18 is sort of how, how does the church live with one another? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, you know, if, if you take Matthew 18 and translate it into Presbyterian speak, uh, you get the last section of our book of discipline, or a last section of our book of order called mm-hmm. Church Discipline to mm-hmm. some degree. Like uh, that's the portions of Matthew 18, with um, particularly starting in verse 15. If someone in the church, another member of the church, sins against you, go and point out the wrong, the fault, when the two of you are alone. Um, and then start escalating if need be, because we all commit, uh, those of us who are in ordered ministry, to preserve the peace, unity, and purity of the church. So if uh, you know part of preserving the purity of the church is confronting sin where it happens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's so valuable, actually. It's, you know, preceded um, mm. in the conversation and talking about greatness is coming like a child into mm. the kingdom of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. That, and again, I feel like that kind of sets the stage for this idea of that process of discipleship that we will have faith, we will lose faith, we will learn and we will fail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be shameless and clear about, mm-hmm. you know, cut off your hand or foot if they cause you to stumble, right? right. Um, and go after those who are lost. It's not cut it off and um, cut he or she or them off, right? right? right. It's cut that off. It's really separating that and saying, come with the humility of a child, with, the, with all of that wholesomeness and curiosity and fullness of spirit that we, I, I so admire in children. And children have, have such a keen sense of justice, too. Mm. They have a keen a sense of what is right and what is mm-hmm. wrong. There's not the shades of gray that mm-hmm. we bake in. And sometimes there needs to be shades of gray, but I think with kids, like, it's, 
well, this is right or it's wrong. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a cl- moral clarity that's right. there. That's right. really like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's just, it's so tricky, you know, in the church. Like, I feel like it's, um, and I shouldn't say church because it's not just church. It's just so tricky in life to, um, to, to, you know, I just, it's a little sloppy, I feel like. And that's just, it's messy. Life is just messy that we live with sin. We call it out in ourselves. We end in one another. Um, trust in God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Trusting in the grace of God to lead us. The, uh, the end of chapter 18 has one of my, the more challenging parables, Mm -hmm. uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Mm. Um, It's the parable that uh, whenever it comes up, I don't know if it does come up in the lectionary, actually. I I would need to look, but I don't know that I've ever had the the gall, the courage to preach on this. I haven't, which makes me think it probably doesn't come up in the lectionary, right? But it is, it's a very concrete way of expressing the portion of the Lord's Prayer that we're getting to mm. pretty soon, um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, because, like, the, the, the guy who was forgiven owed, like, a bajillion, I think is the theological term. <laughs> I like that. A bajillion that. dollars. Right. And yeah, he, he was beating somebody up over a few hundred. Mm. Uh, Ouch. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, continuing on into 19, again, it gets, uh, I think it's tricky, right? Again, and looking in church history, teachings about divorce, mm-hmm. and um, it's, there's certainly been a lot of harm, I think, that's come from mm-hmm. the use of this text and the interpretation of this text. And, um, you know, I think just really, I feel really humbled when coming to texts like this because I think, you know, we just pray and trust that God is a graceful God wanting the best for all of us and wanting us to live in loving relationships mm-hmm. and how that works out for each of us is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, marriage, you know, really lifts up marriage with um, a sobriety um, that it's intended to be a covenantal re- relationship that is lifelong and also, you know, points out it's not always easy. Mm. Yeah, it's a series of small small choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of those small choices is choosing to continue to be faithful, which is mm-hmm. sort of the, the anchor of, of mm-hmm. what marriage ought to be here mm-hmm. for in, in Jesus' eyes. Um, yeah, and, and isn't it interesting that the disciples respond to that? Mm-hmm. Well, well, and it's better for someone, for, well, they say for a man not to marry. Um, or excuse me, no, they just say it's better not to marry. If this is the case of a man with his wife, it's verse 10, chapter 19, it's better not to marry. Um, was it that? I, I, it makes me curious as to how they applied this um, sort of allowance mm. that Moses gave the, 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 the Israelites that you can divorce by offering a certificate of divorce. Like, was that a get-out-of-jail-free card? I don't. It, it makes me curious about the context. Yeah, that I don't know either. That would be very interesting. 
because I know that um, the, uh, how I've heard this interpreted, maybe I, I mentioned this in a past podcast when we were doing Mark's version of this or Luke's version of this, but I've heard this portion interpreted as um, this was Jesus offering more rights to women than were, would have been given mm. at the time, mm. that women are not disposable. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you can't just you know get married and then buy... Um, mm-hmm. like that doesn't work in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me wonder too. Um, gosh, was that was polygamy like a big? It wasn't common in the in this culture, correct? I mean, I the Old Testament, yeah. obviously, there were right. harems, and that was the kings. There, that was a much more common practice. I do think, as, as we'll get to see in a couple of weeks, as we look at uh, Paul's first letter to Timothy, that like one of the requirements of a bishop, or you know, as we would translate it, an elder or an overseer, one, is to have one, one partner. Yeah, one right. partner. That's right. And I don't know if that's one partner for life, if that's one partner at a time. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll we'll tackle that when we get yeah. there. But anyway, I, the reason I mention it is because I wondered if this also is you know kind of a countercultural way that does lift up women in particular who certainly as you point out had really they would have lost presumably more Mm. more status more access to resources most likely through a divorce Mm. that's absolutely true Chapter 19, Jesus like feels like, I, I, I've got in my notes here that this is throw down Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus is, is taking on all comers. Let's take on mm. Pharisees. And then, oh, children. Love children. That's They're right. great. Yep. Uh, let's take on the rich young ruler, as he's called in, in other gospels. And then let's take on the disciples. Like, mm. Let's just throw down with everybody, but hang out with, with kids. Um, and, and I think in, in each case, Jesus is naming something important that these, these audiences need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the Pharisees, it's like, yeah, you can follow the law, but you can reject the spirit of the law mm-hmm. or the God who gave you the law, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, you know, in following, you know, like with the rich young man, I'm always so struck that the, this, you know, the rich young man comes calling him teacher, yeah. Right? Calling, coming with respect, with what seems to be like interest and some, perhaps some sincerity, uh, and that Jesus would be so sort of almost stiff, right, in a response in right. saying, no, it takes absolute fidelity. Everything, absolutely everything right. must be given and then follow me. I, I don't know. I, again, this is another one of those stories that's told in other gospels. I don't know if we mentioned it, but. When Jesus outlines the commandments to this rich young man, he doesn't outline all the commandments. It's murder, it's number six, adultery, steal, no false witness. He doesn't mention coveting. Hmm. And then he goes to honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. Oh, I've done all this. And then when Jesus says sell it all, it's like he's pointing straight to the guy's heart. Mm. Because I, I, I think, you know, that's... Crafty. <laughs> <laughs> how Jesus rolls, man. Yeah, that's impressive. That's a teacher, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's true. Like, I'm with you, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh. Yeah, moving on to the labors in the vineyard in chapter 20. Um, that's, again, 
a story that is like good news and mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit of bad news for me, right? right? Like as somebody who is vested in laboring in the vineyard, mm-hmm. uh, um, it's it's such incredible generosity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we just have to hang on to, right? Right. Yeah. That, that last phrase in the parable, I think is, I'm looking at my footnote here. Yeah, the Greek is, is your eye evil because I am good? Mm. Um, are you envious? Sometimes is how it's translated, mm. because I'm generous. Mm. Um, and man, yeah, God, we, you know, we only get your grace, and so your grace you can give to whomever you want. Um, I heard a preacher once mm. talk about how we as Gentiles are those who came in at the 11th hour. And it's the Jews who've been working since the mm-hmm. early morning. Sure. And My I, perspective of time, yeah. that, of course, makes sense. Yeah. I never thought about it that way um, until I heard mm. that. I, I was mm. appreciative. Mm. Help me to have a little more grace mm. <laughs> for, for 11th hour people. Oh. And Jesus, again, warns the disciples of his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And... Um, on his way to Jerusalem. That's right. Being welcomed in the triumphal entry in chapter 21. Um, and then and then we get a little bit more of Throwdown Jesus, where he... Uh, Watch out, temple. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and, that's right. And, and just a brutal parable, the parable of the wicked tenants, where he narrates the history of Israel um, in a way that just points to Israel's rebellion over mm. and over again. Mm. And it's, of course, it's not just Israel. This is true for us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just again, it shows how dependent Jesus' life and teaching really was on the history of, of all of Israel's teachings, right? And all mm-hmm. of the... Um, there's just such strong conversation um, between the Old and New Testaments. Mm-hmm. Well, as we as we wrap up our time, um, noting that that we're close to the end here, um, one of the we, there are three questions that are we we ask each and every like podcast and each and every day we invite you to ask them. And we've we've been focusing on the first question the last couple of times. I wonder if we might focus on the second question this time. Uh, if there's one word from this passage, from this, uh, and, and we can cheat a little bit, we're doing more than one chapter, but if there's one word from this section of Matthew or one phrase that resonates with us, um, and since I mixed up the, the, the question on you, Pastor Susan, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to jump in first. Sure. Um, I think this, this Lent, one of the things I'm, I'm really focused on is that idea of listen to him listen to Mm. jesus make space in my life Mm. to slow down and to listen Mm. Um, and and i want to listen to god's words in scripture and also listen to the ways that god is speaking to me Mm. in the quiet Mm. that's awesome yeah it's the um the that prophetic call of the youth Mm -hmm. from transfiguration sunday right they led Yeah, well, well said. You know, I was 
I'm looking back through because I feel like the one word, but now I'm kind of like, did I find that word or am I just imposing it on the text? But it, it seems like with all the teaching that Jesus is doing and the conflict that he has with um, the disciples and the other religious leaders of his time, that I think the thing that I'm struck with is teacher. Mm. And that word certainly appears, but you know, Jesus' disciples often call him Abba. Right, and I don't, I don't think that's in here. But that I was just paying attention to the kind of tone of discourse and the kind of intimate conversations um, that he has with the disciples, and the way just his craftiness in teaching. I think that really speaks to me. He's crafty. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you for making time to have this conversation. Uh, I appreciate. All the folks who've been reading through the New Testament, it's great to hear. And if there are questions that we can name, um, you can mm-hmm. either shoot us an email or um, come on Sunday nights. We have great discussion. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and what, you know, as you read along with us to hear how you're learning and growing. We'd love to hear that too. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you next week. Sounds good. We'll see you then.